0: This is a team that looked rudderless for most of last year. The best quarterbacking was done by the wide receiver that they have since traded to the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) So hello, Malcolm. Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at the NFC East and the NFC North in our preview of all the divisions, as well as all the news from around the league and some questions from you to listen. So hey, we got Connor here in from Iraq and we've got Ronan. From
1: Cork, equally exotic,
0: don't you know? Equally exotic, well, I suppose <laughs> to, there's probably been more Yanks in Iraq than, well, I don't know, Cork does get a lot of tourists, but yeah.
1: Yeah, but we don't have an American
0: university, do we? So. That's true, that's true. That's, that's, that's right, friends, I'm now a, a proud-serving member of the American University of Kurdistan, uh, which is grand so far, quite nice, lovely building, very friendly staff and stuff. But uh, they are a pain in the arse to get home from afterwards, so I'm now doing this quite late in the evening after, uh, after a long day of teaching English all day. <laughs> yeah, i will all be speaking the Donegal lingo pretty soon. Oh, it'll be great, they'll all be shams and dolls. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, bit it Dublin in there, show why not?
0: Oh yeah, how's all down in Cork, any crack? Oh, uh, it's
1: been pretty quiet, it's very sunny here in Ireland, uh, nearly as sunny as Iraq I'd imagine, uh, but yeah, it's been pretty, pretty quiet, just tipping away at work, as I said the last podcast, doing a lot of prep and work for a trip to Denver pretty soon, uh, and then there's a few things happening over in Dublin soon, uh, our old host, co-host Harry, is having a birthday party, and then the fantasy draft. Coming at the uh, start of next month.
0: Exciting so times, yeah.
1: Bit of time in Dublin uh, over the next few weeks.
0: Very good, very good. Sure, maybe Dublin,
1: Denver, you, it's all the same. Maybe
0: right? you can yeah. go have a wee look around Dublin while you're see if you get old job up there and move on up and join us the time. Great. And there's uh, no point that you
1: come back. Like I got like uh, twelve months or so, right?
0: So. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You got a while. Um, yeah, nothing too wild or crazy over here. I don't think um, we're planning an old hollier because because. Uh, the second Eid is coming up, uh, so we're going to get a week off work for that. So i uh, going to maybe pop over to Turkey because it's around the time of our anniversary. So happy days. Oh, nice. Yeah, it should be good. And uh, apart from that, just getting used to the working stuff. I've taken on a couple of extra hours next week doing a few more programs. So uh, I'll be flat to the mat and also got study now that my other course has started back. So party time. Yeah.
1: All your workout time is gone, is it? Yeah, I've I've had to drop
0: from six days a week now to like. I I didn't do too bad last week. I got, I think, five days last week, but I'm probably going to be stretching to get four this week just because I'm running around mad. But I'll get in tomorrow. So that'll be good. I I didn't get in today at all, just uh, too much work to be doing. So, uh, oh well. I suppose we should kick off and have a look at some of the news from around the league. biggest news coming out probably is the uh, deadline for franchise tags so atlanta have managed to get an extension done with their defensive tackle uh, grady jarrett he's got a four-year 68 million dollar deal with 42.5 million in guarantees um so that puts him i think third for defensive tackles at the moment behind aaron donald and fletcher cox uh this was a deal we were expecting them to get done although it was worrying as to well whether or not they get it done by the deadline. But uh like it's a good move for Atlanta locking this guy down, right? Yeah, I think there
1: was like a bit of back and forth and then, you know, the kind of various rumors come out, but you know, the first thing you get about these off season rumors is that they basically mean nothing and some of them are obviously just planted for, for various reasons. But yeah, like Grady Chard like is in that kind of elite set of like defensive tackles alongside people like uh, Geno Atkins and that kind of level mm. where they're like they're very effective They're good at pass rush they can get sacks now obviously it varies But like you're talking guys you can get that kind of like 8 to 12 sacks per season which from defensive tackle spot is pretty impressive But I think the money reflects the fact that Aaron Donald and to a lesser extent Fletcher Cox are on a on a different plane In terms of the disruption that they create on every play, but I think Grady Jard He's a he's a franchise player. We know that pass rush defensive tackles are incredibly highly valued uh, but I think like it is, to a certain extent, a little bit weird because like, with the way the inflation works and the cap works, you kind of expect the contracts to inflate over time regardless of talent. Mm-hmm. But it seems in this case, Brady Jarrett maybe went for the guarantees, didn't want to risk going out with an injury next year on the tag and decided to do uh, not a discount, but to, to take fair money, basically, yeah. rather than holding out for
0: the big bucks in free agency. Mean, lo- locking in, that in that 42 million is, it $42 make makes make sense, particularly because defensive tackle is a position that while there are exceptions, it does tend to be one where there's a lot of weight to be carrying on your frames and a lot of potential for injury because you're so much in action in every play, um, more so than other ones. This also, from my interest as a Kansas City Chiefs fan, uh, probably sets the floor on the Chris Jones deal that they'll be looking at, which is interesting that it's $42.5 million in guarantees. Because there's a tweet that's been going around about the fact that one of the points of contention is that Jones wants to tear up the last year of his rookie contract. And uh, the Chiefs have kind of responded and saying, well, they can hold his rights for $42 for the next three years anyway if they want. So I think that's kind of the kicking off point of that much guaranteed money and making it an extension. But this is, I think Jones will probably get more than this, I would imagine. Um, Probably somewhere in the middle of between this and the Donald deal.
1: Exactly, I think that would be fair enough for the kind of value he's bringing. If he has a year uh, equivalent to what he did last year, then that kind of talent is very difficult to let go. It's just that interior pressure is just so vital in today's NFL to kind yeah. of disrupt the passing game and make things so much difficult with the way the passing game is so much faster these days. Oh, yeah. like Tom Brady isn't waiting around for more than a couple of seconds. This quarterbacks going to even get worse than that yeah, over no. time.
0: No, of course. Uh, This now also means that Atlanta are now turning their eyes to locking down one of their linebackers. And there's also discussions about making Julio Jones uh, the highest paid receiver in the league. So there's a number of moving pieces left on that team, but it's a good one for them to get locked down. Uh, Another bit of franchise tag news, which is very, this is an unusual one for me. San Francisco, we mentioned earlier in the offseason, had franchise tag kicker Robbie Colt. And decided that they wanted to have him play on the tag, which would have gotten him, I think, four and a half million or something like that. Yeah. Um, But instead, they have gotten an extension in place. Four years, 19 million with the first two years guaranteed. Um, So this kills all of the rumors about him returning to Chicago.
1: Yeah, like this is, that's pretty much dead now like gold, always believe in your soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is a situation where he was like kind of, his, him and his agent, I suppose mostly his agent to be fair, were kind of like pissing on SF, on San Francisco in the off season, but then they finally showed up with the money that he wanted, mm-hmm. basically did a two year tag situation. So the first two years of his contract are completely guaranteed, that was basically the tag. So he was like, well, it's money, so whatever that? I think Chicago, To you hear the Chicago rumors, yes, he does have connections with Chicago, apparently his family is out there, but I think to a certain extent that was wish-casting on the part of Chicago Bears fans, who were obviously uh, you know, uh, dealing with a, a, a very poor kicking battle, as we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, so I think you know Robbie Gold, he's a good kicker. They're highly valued now, and I think they did the right thing here. Like they, like San Francisco played their cards right. And now both parties end up being more or less happy with the situation. Uh, as I said, it's kind of a, it's a weird contract. Apparently, it's basically mm-hmm. a two-year contract with a two-year option. Um, so we'll see if they come back two years from now with more fighting. Uh, but for now, if you can keep the kicker position stable, then that's usually something nice to have. Now, of course, San Francisco is one of those teams that historically has been overpaying players. So like this isn't a huge contract on the scale of the cap, but it is something where San Francisco feels like one of those teams is going to be in cap L in a year or two, unless yeah. they get lucky with the CBA. So just something to keep an eye on in terms of the bit of it uh as, as usual here. Well, not, this is one of the less bad deals, but still, you're know, paying their kicker a fair amount for a team that's been trolling the cash about.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And Houston have no extension for Jadavia and Kleine, their defensive end. So he's the only player who's tied without arranging a contract, I believe, this year. Uh, there's a number of disputes going on here. There's obviously the question about... He does show skill in flashes, but is he consistent? Does he drop out? Does he take plays off? Uh, There's an issue surrounding him being tagged as a defensive end linebacker, which would reduce his tag by 2 million, which there'll be a fight about. But this is interesting because Houston now have pretty much, with the exception, I think, of J.J. Watt, pretty much all of their pass rush. Contracts coming to an end at the end of this upcoming season um, This the negotiations with Jadavia and Clowney were cited as one of the reasons why they fired the general manager uh, What about six eight weeks ago? Um, but this is not a great spot from the to be in. I don't think it's terrible That Jadavia and Clowney is not on a long-term deal and he has to kind of prove it this year but I think structurally for where they want to go as a franchise Having this hanging over the fact that then in the next year they're going to have more contracts up that they need to sort out, not locking down these younger defensive players whenever they can get them at a better price seems to be something that's going to rear its head for them in the next number of years.
1: Yeah, and it's a situation where like we know the obvious issues with Clarny in terms of uh, his attitude or, or the way he plays the game, but he's just so fundamentally disruptive as a talent that like I think if he were to leave Houston the line for... His services would be very very long indeed and as you alluded to basically people are saying that Bill O'Brien didn't want to give David Clanny extension Brian Gain did want to give him an extension and Brian Gain is now out the building you know if you like a month or so at this point so you know you could read your own uh, inferences into that particular situation and now you know they're, they're, they're haggling over which tag he's supposed to get he's obviously talking about holding out during camp this is like you know I suppose the one thing is they know he's good, even if he is a little bit demotivated, just because he's so talented. So maybe it's less of a bad deal for them. But yeah, like, Carney, he's, he's such a unique player that I think he does make problems for certain coaches and certain schemes, because he isn't really disciplined enough to kind of be used as a, you know, if you have a very rigid scheme, he's not really great for that. But if you set him roaming, play like, finding out where the weaknesses are and then ruthlessly exploiting those then mm. he's a disruptive force Both definitely gets a run game but he's good against the pass as well and good at getting sacked as well. It's just, yeah, some coaches don't want that and obviously Bill O'Brien, based on what we know, is not one of the people who feels that he should be paid like a franchise star. Yeah. And that just means that they will probably get dragged out another uh, year or two um, uh, unless something is, something changes in that team.
0: Yeah, no, of course. And, uh, the only bit of news, really, is Arizona selected safety Jalen Thompson in the fifth round of the supplemental draft. Woo, I like. Yeah, finally, some supplemental <laughs> draft fun. Uh, no one in the last number of years has worked out from this, have they? Uh, no, I don't think
1: there's anyone uh, who's been really too uh, impressive. There's been some people who've, who've hung around, but no one who's really uh, kicked on and been a major star.
0: No, of course. Uh, of so course. Got- he lost a year of NCAA eligibility for a rules violation, and all the rumors that you read online suggest that it was a PED-related violation. Um, for those who don't understand, supplemental draft is for players who were not initially eligible to be in the draft, but are now available for the draft after that fact. Normally, it's because of they've lost a year of eligibility through rule-breaking, through loss of... Uh, score or academic scores so they aren't able to play in college that year and stuff that now have to come out a year early um but yeah so teams can essentially bid on who they want to select so this guy was coming through and it's kind of like a blind bid process so you can say right i would give up next year our our fifth rounder next year for him which is what happened here with um with Arizona. Um, but yeah, so quite often these guys will clear entirely and just go on to be free agents yeah. but uh, or undrafted free agents. But uh, yeah, so this is this is an interesting one because I have heard a lot of talk about him and that he would be in that kind of three to five range if development continued as they were expecting.
1: Yeah, I think like the, the, the defense he was on uh, in Washington State was fairly well recognized. One of the better defenses in the Pac-12 although the Pac-12 is notorious for having awful defenses, and was kind of seen as someone who, if he'd had a good season, could be boosting himself up into day-two consideration. Um, but obviously with this PED violation and the whole way, thing, the whole way things have turned out, because I believe he wanted to go back to college for another year, yeah. um, but this basically left him with the option of either going to NFL or, or red-shirting for a year. Um, I think it was an obvious choice to make, and you know made a fifth-round pick in the supplemental context with that red flag, obviously something that you know means that he's, he's fairly talented i think his argument is like an over-the-counter type of thing it wasn't a steroid so yeah. it wasn't a serious violation but uh you know you know still like you're you know you're a bit of money on the line probably need to be a little bit smarter about things yeah no. i think just just in terms of successful uh supplemental draft pick, the two most successful supplemental draft picks of the last 10 years are probably Terrell Pryor and josh Gordon.
0: Wow. Uh and those
1: about the height of the success that they've Josh teams.
0: Gordon was a supplemental draft pick.
1: Yeah, he was taken in the second round oh, okay. of uh, I think it was two
0: thousand and twelve. Yeah, was that, that was, yeah yeah, it was I think yeah. Maybe
1: a bit later but, it's hard uh, to know how long
0: Josh Gordon's been around. <laughs> He's kind
1: of,
0: yeah. Harry would know oh, Harry Harry <laughs> would know that off the top of his head. Um but yeah, so we'll move on. A couple of injuries to talk about. Miami defensive tackle uh, Ken Norton Uh, has, oh, this is not a nice story at all, so he was involved in a car accident uh, in the last week and basically his career is now over. Uh, He had to get cut out of the car. They had to amputate his arm on site, so he's now missing an arm. Uh, He has now gone through, I think, seven surgeries. They've now cleared and cleaned up and closed the wound entirely. The NFL and the Dolphins are handling this quite well, so they are providing for all of his medical care while he's there and they've been in. So I think the coach has been in to see him. His college coach has been in to see him. Uh, They're all kind of looking after him at the moment. But it's a rough, rough setup for a guy who's kind of, you know, hoping to make his mark and build a bit of a career in the NFL.
1: Yeah, like this was uh, like a low low draft pick. Um, Not someone like like someone who can't body mostly. Maybe someone who's sticking the bottom of the roster. So it's not too important from a footballing point of view or from the Miami point of view but just like it's such a horrific outcome um for anyone um but yeah i suppose the fact that he, you know his dream of perhaps carving out a career now is completely over and mm. we can only wish him all the best in his recovery and, and finding uh an alternative mm. um career uh, going forward
0: yeah no, uh, of course And uh, free agent running back Alex Collins has broken his leg and has gone for the season, or at least that is what is expected. Um, He had a suspension pending, but there was some interest in him in the league. He was someone who you'd expect whenever someone got injured in training camp would come in to be the number two back in a tandem to replace someone or something along those lines, you know. Um, But yeah, so that's unfortunate for him as well. Uh, We'll move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Uh, Oakland guard Richard incognito has been suspended for two games for the personal conduct pol- under the personal conduct policy um, he is a what, 36 37 year old guard who hasn't played in the league in two years so Oakland decided yeah he's who we need in the team right now <laughs> uh, given his quality they decided to design <laughs> to a guard of equal or greater quality to be his Depth replacement for the two week or the two week suspension. So they've signed Jonathan Cooper, guard, as depth, who is also a terrible, terrible player, who keeps getting work because of his high draft uh, pedigree, we believe. But um, does this mean Richie's not going to be with the team for hard knocks, or is he with it and he's just suspended for those two games? Uh,
1: I think usually when they're suspended, they are available for cat that i would have to check mm. uh like maybe the the, the 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 raiders will pretend that it's so just to prevent him being there
0: yeah
1: uh, but no it's a situation where like it's, it just makes the signing of richie Incognito even more baffling yeah just because this was a known thing that was happening it's related to i think he had two incidents uh involving very questionable violent behavior i think one at the funeral home if i remember correctly
0: yeah, um, and the story, if you want to read up on that, that like the reports from people who were in the funeral home are horrifying.
1: Yeah, so obviously Richie Guadido had stuff going on. We know that simply from the way that he retired in inverted commas. But mm. uh, yeah, I, I have no idea why they signed him. I have no idea why he's still playing. But hey, he's gone for two, two, two games. They have John and Cooper. They probably have some like draft bodies as well out there. But uh, if I was Derek Carr... Uh, I'd be a little bit worried about what's going to happen to me with the uh, interior pressure coming my way. Yeah. It's not like that. Division is lacking in interior pressure
0: either. I must uh, I must give a shout out actually just when we're talking about, I'd forgotten about this Richie Incognito. Uh, shout out to my friend Pierce up in Donegal who uh, last, or actually just three days ago, so Saturday night or whatever, or Saturday morning. I woke up to a text message at half three, quarter to four in the morning. There was just a link to Richie Incognito's Wikipedia page. And it said, why haven't I heard about this dickhead before?
1: <laughs> yeah, like, so it sounds like
0: Pierce was having some fun that night. Yeah,
1: like, yeah. Well, we won't go into the entire back catalog. It's quite a large yeah. catalog. Uh, you know,
0: we, yeah. we, we can't keep talking about his negatives. That would be bullying. Um, we'll look over to the New York Jets. Uh, Tight end Chris Herndon, who had a pretty decent season last year, has now been suspended for four games for a substance abuse issues. This is related to a DUI that happened during the 2018 offseason. Uh, this is a bit of a blow to a Jets team that are hoping to be a bit more exciting this year, new uh, running back in Lev Bell in there, uh, I think Herndon is an OK blocker to be running in behind. But for their young quarterback to lose his tight end blanket for those first four games as well, when they're trying to establish themselves, is a little bit of a mess. And I don't, from the life of me, I can't think of who they've got on the depth chart behind him.
1: They have pretty much nothing <laughs> on the uh, depth chart behind them. You're talking about like literally guys you'll have never heard of, like Daniel Brown. Eric Tomlinson. the Trevon, Daniel Brown? Trevon, Trevon, Trevon Wesco. These are the, like, this is the official roster at the moment. But, like, <laughs> it's it's literally nothing. Now, obviously, they were like Herndon had a decent season last year, uh, but even then, he wasn't used that heavily. Yeah. So I imagine they're not really a scheme. I imagine that will end up relying too heavily on him, but it is a bit of an issue when the tight end depth chart is just so bad. Um, but there's a bit more pressure in terms of if they go behind, they're going to be relying on people like Robbie Anderson to kind of dig them out of the hole. Because uh, obviously, like Lev Bell, he's a running back, less useful when you're trying to come from behind. Yeah. Um, so, Lev Bell, more pressure on you. That can only end well.
0: No, of course, of course. And uh, free agents, wide receiver Martavis Bryant, and defensive end Randy Gregory have requested reinstatement to the NFL. Um, we don't know whether or not they will get reinstated into the NFL, but if they do, they are two people who will almost certainly get a job. I think, are Randy Gregory's rights owned by Washington or something?
1: i have no idea it's like one of those situations where when they get suspended you're kind of like does anyone still hold this i think the cowboys might still technically own it but i don't know if the yeah. cowboys want to do that right now yeah uh like i suppose if the cowboys still hold his rights i know martibus bryant's rights are out in the open i think Randy gregory would probably stick with the cowboys but mm. i wouldn't recommend putting someone like that back in your locker room when you're having issues <laughs> with all these
0: no, but no. who don't want
1: to who want to get paid and stuff like that. It's bad Especially if
0: we want to talk about the Cowboys locker room, we're going to actually about to move to the controversy corner. While you might not want to add some more uh, unfortunate, unsavory characters into that. Uh, over the controversy corner, Dallas running back Zeke Elliott is reportedly planning a camp holdout for a new contract. This initially started as a story that it could be this year or next year, but it now appears to be much more rapidly becoming something for this year. This comes after another. Problematic off season where he had an incident with a security guard in Vegas, I believe it was. And uh, the guard is now pressing charges against CK Elliott. Although uh, the running back is claiming extortion uh, in this yeah, case. Well, no, no, not
1: like obviously not like that's the you know, that's the lawyer say it's not actually extortion, extortion. You know? yeah. Not the not the felony extortion. Yeah. The yeah the ethical idea of extortion.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. So, Elliot was not given a suspension for this uh, by the league, and he apologised for his conduct. Uh, this obviously came before his lawyer made that statement. But this is kind of a record that we've heard before about Ezekiel Elliot getting himself into trouble in the off-season. Like, the little Ewok just loves fucking trouble, doesn't he? Yeah, and, uh,
1: you know, Roger Goodell, when talking about why he didn't get suspensions with his at all... I heard all the things. I heard all the context, but you know Zeke just has to, you know, make sure he stops not put himself in places where this kind of thing can happen effectively. And that's pretty good advice, uh, Zeke Elliott. uh and it's a rare time that
0: we'll give any props to RG. Like, but yeah,
1: like, look, you're you're a player with a reputation. If you go out into the world, you know, you're gonna end up probably having people, I don't know, like feeling they give the yourself of something just don't Uh, you have lots of money you could just use that to solve your guilt and if this this plan if you have two girlfriends they might steal some jewellery but like you know 100% while they're your girlfriends I'm sure it's great
0: and if if this plan works it'll have more money which means (laughs) possibly more girlfriends Uh,
1: yeah but uh, like the camp holdout is a bit unusual like Zeke is like I think two years out from being like officially a free agent and they do have other priorities there with Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott so the Cowboys aren't really keen to give him money now because they have to pay those other guys. Uh, but who do you think?
0: Elliott, who do you think is more central to that Dallas offense? Though, at the well, moment. Zeke
1: Elliott right now is more central. Now is he? Is he's still a running back, which means that his like long term value is probably less. But if you're talking about the guy who engine, been the engine of them actually winning games, it's been Zeke Elliott. Uh But yeah, that doesn't mean that these red flags are something that you necessarily want to reward at the moment. No, of um, course. This and you know, he still he can always come back next year, uh, yeah. and maybe have a whole off season not making trouble for himself, and then maybe he'll get paid uh, the amount of money they believe he's supposed to get.
0: Yeah, now this came this Zeke Elliott report came hot in the heels of uh LA Chargers running back Melvin Gordon coming out with something similar. So he has said that he is willing to hold out for the season for a new contract, uh, and the team is as it stands refusing to budge on this, but uh, Gordon. It's, it's an interesting one because, like I said, i am always for players getting their money and getting themselves paid, and Gordon does probably deserve a better payday or a bigger payday than he's currently on. But he doesn't seem to have a huge amount of leverage in this spot. He is a very good back, but he is not a game-breaking back. He is not a Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell kind of level of player uh, at the position. He's had some injury concerns throughout his career. And then... To top it all off, they are an offence that, yes, he does a lot in, but when he's not been available, they've gotten production from the likes of Austin Eckler and their other running backs that they have there. It's not a spot where he is necessarily unreplaceable, whereas Zeke really is the engine of the Dallas offence. So, do you think this is one that we'll see play out a la Lev Bell type situation if he will actually sit out into the season to get this done?
1: It's it's big words right now. I don't think when like when the left bell situation happened, I don't think any of them. was actually expecting them to go through it. And in the fullness of time, it doesn't seem like going through it ended up being a good idea. But like Gordon seems to have kind of taken up the same flag of he's doing it for running backs in general, setting, you know you know stop putting his foot down and saying running backs are people too. Basically, yeah. We're not we're not kickers. Well, kickers get paid now. We're not long snappers or fullbacks like we're running backs and I think like yes he had some production over the last couple of years he's a bit healthier though he had some injury problems last year again uh, yeah I think he, he is a, he is like one of the better talents but he's not that kind of game-changing talent where you'd expect this mm-hmm. to be made uh, public and to be willing to do this but you know if you're in the situation if you're a running back where you have health concerns I can understand why you're desperate to get the real money oh, at yeah. the position,
0: and your your problem um, you is you timing wise. This think coming, think, oh sorry, go on ahead.
1: Do I think the Chargers should do it? Probably not from a purely football point of view, but like depending on their contract, like I think their cap situation isn't going to be great going forward. I think like Philip Rivers is due more money. Joey Bosa is due money. And I think he's going to end up, like, on the outside probably
0: in a couple of years. To Yeah. And the thing is, this is a bad time for this to be coming through. Because whenever you look at Todd Gurley just got paid last year. Yes, he had a very good regular season. But then looked to break down in the the postseason towards the back end of the actual season as well. And then it comes out about this having arthritis in his knee. And then now thinking that he's not going to be a bell cow. But they're locked into paying him that money for three or four more years. Like, this is a time where both running backs are being devalued and the few who are getting the top-end money who are getting the contracts that are being demanded are now essentially looking like warning signs to other franchises to not go that route.
1: Similar with David Johnson of course, yeah, so it's just mm-hmm. like, like maybe it's a bit of bad luck on part of the running backs as a whole, but like good luck to you guys Gordon trying to mm-hmm. like, you know. Running back pride, but uh, I don't expect that he'll be that successful. He might get the money he wants in free agency a couple of years from now, but I don't think he's getting the Chargers.
0: Yeah, no, of course. Um, and finally, full transcript of Tyreek Hill's recording uh, with his wife Crystal Espinal is been released. An
1: ex-fiance, uh, she was, in recent court statement, she was quite clear that uh, she will not be getting uh, have any relations with Tyreek Hill.
0: Going forward, so. oh, yes, sorry, sorry. I say I phrase that wrong, yeah. Ex fiance So basically, this stems from the recording that was released what four months ago at this point. Um, yeah. so that was an edited down version of that that was released to the Kansas City Star, I think it was, it had it over KC5 KCTV5. Um, but essentially, yeah, so this has extended that, makes it look a little bit different in some lights, doesn't exonerate or implicate anyone in particular, but just raises some questions around what was being portrayed and also what was happening in the back end, that there was essentially edited, doctored versions of uh, like gotcha recordings (laughs) being circulated around in kind of a, a planned, almost that was a planned kind of way of, of releasing the information uh, the NFL is expected to uh, give the information about what it's going to do suspension wise retire kill in the next uh, five days because the decision is to be expected before the start of training camp which is well for us today it's a stay week for the Chiefs but uh, this will go out probably in a day or two's time so probably about five days it'll be interesting to see what happens there's a lot of discussion online and on uh the sports websites about this because of the pressure that's sitting on Goodell facing into a collective bargaining agreement that he has to face. What he can and cannot do given that there are no legal decisions made or let's be honest it's like a murky horrible situation that it's going to be very hard for him to make a statement about that's not going to be in some way attackable from one side or the other so I think it's going to be an absolute nightmare. I look forward to seeing what he comes out with but like this is a mess of a situation and I cannot wait to see the back end of it. And hopefully, like I said, the child is not in either one of their custody at the moment. Uh, yeah, it's just a mess. Yeah, and there's a whole,
1: like, uh, the crystal espinal, she is applying for sole custody of the child in question. And I think mm. there's a parental test situation going on. I think that may be related to her current pregnancy and not uh, to that uh, particular child who's, who's currently yeah. in state. estate. Uh, yeah, like, I think, like, Kill probably comes out looking a bit better from the full transcript. Uh, there was some, he had a denial about the 2014 uh, domestic violence incident. Albeit the denial is more about the technicality of whether he hit her, rather than whether he caused the bruising that that she displayed to the you know the, the relevant authorities. Yeah. So I don't know. Like Kill uh, probably will get a suspension of some kind, yeah. but it will probably be lesser than as you say uh, it might have been otherwise due to all of this additional stuff to come around. Like As we've said many times before, this doesn't seem like a situation where there's an innocent party involved in either of these two. So, no, no, um, it, it would imply that uh, that would probably ameliorate some of the, or give some reasoning mm-hmm. based on the evidence that Tyreek Hale gave for why such things have been happening back and forth for so long. No, of course. Um, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, as I say, as, as you say, the best thing, would hopefully see the back of this and move on. Uh, with suitable caution about Tyreek Hill
0: about his behaviour going forward. Oh yeah, 100%. Like I said, I imagine what, like, I think this will result in a spot where he gets a small-ish well, maybe two to four games. Uh, I think they will probably have a discussion about probably extending him in this off-season, but with the proviso, I think as we discussed on the last episode, that we would expect to see a lot of loaded language on it as to whether or not they can get out of the deal if you know, Behaviour, unbecoming, or all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, we will move on to the other bits of news from around the league. So uh, Den- Detroit safety Glover Quinn has decided to retire, uh, deciding that he wants to do other things. And... Um, this comes after a year where he was essentially just not used under Matt Patricia. Whether that's a scheme thing, a personality thing, or whether he's just lost too much of a step, I don't know. Because, frankly, I found the Lions boring as shite last year and tried to watch as little of them as possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, like Glover Quinney, someone who had like a, a good career. A uh, few obviously made a couple of Pro Bowls in Detroit uh, when their secondary was actually pretty good. But under Patricia, for whatever reason, you say, not really sure why. He just wasn't wanted, and he basically decided that he, he basically said in the statement that he said if he wasn't enjoying football, if he didn't like it anymore, he'd just retire. And this obviously seemed like a good reason to do so because he maybe wants to stick with just Detroit as a one man team. And at thirty years old, the free agency money probably wouldn't be that much even if he was released. Yeah. Um, so you know, good career. You know, solid getting a few Pro bowlers, uh, and you know, just to yet another long, long list of Detroit players who basically get. No reward for actually being very good players.
0: No, of course. Uh, We'll have a look then quickly. Cincinnati guard Clint Bowling is retired for health reasons. Uh, They discovered a blood clot issue in the off-season, so he's decided to hang up his cleats and not play anymore. Uh, Obviously, a bit of a loss to the Cincinnati line because they are, like we said beforehand, trying to build a run-first offense and... Trying to let's maybe say mask some of the limitations at their quarterback position, um, and losing more players is probably not the best way to do that.
1: Yeah, it, it's just one of those situations where yeah, from a footballing point of view, it's just another loss along that line, and yeah, but obviously, bowling the South, his health came first, and he talked uh, about how he's looking forward to playing with his daughters in the in the autumn and stuff like that. Mm. All very, all very wholesome, all very. Uh, movie-like, you know, with
0: all that great fun. Former New York Giants quarterback Jared Lorenzen, who you might remember as the hefty lefty, has died at 38. He basically, like, kind of, it's young, but it's not massively to be unexpected. He was tremendously overweight, was still playing arena football and getting the shit beaten out of him. And, it's a sad thing to see, really, to see the height of where he was, getting drafted into the NFL, and then just to to kind of essentially become a punchline for the last ten years.
1: Yeah, but you know, hopefully his family is okay, and uh, like you know, not ever like you know, there is only a very select number of people in the world who will ever become Super Bowl champions, and he's one of the people who got a ring. Yeah, uh, yeah, like uh, obviously during the period where Eli, Ma- Eli, the only backup who ever played against Eli after Eli you know, Manning is well, Geno Atkins, uh, not Gene Atkins, yeah, Geno Smith, Smith. Um, so, yeah, FD Lefty, he had a good nickname, bit of a punchline, but uh, you can't take those experiences away from him while he's living, and unfortunately now he's he's gone too soon.
0: Yeah, no, of course, Uh, former Ewing linebacker Teddy Bruschi had a stroke, he's now in recovery, so we wish him all the best, and... uh, For defensive tackle, Albert Hainsworth has made a plea for a kidney on Instagram. He is in an advanced stage of kidney failure and is looking for a donor. Uh, That's a a really sad story, but uh, it looks like he is kind of very much desperate, last kind of, last gasp attempt to try and get himself sorted. Yeah,
1: that's that's just a a really tragic situation for him and hopefully something gets sorted out for him. No,
0: of
1: course. Um, It's American healthcare, so yeah I I have fun with that
0: like yeah no it's a it's an absolute mess i suppose with that we will move on to our previews of the nfc east okay so we're going to look at the nfc east first we'll start with the cowboys um big additions the offseason are uh, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten coming back from his atrocious, atrocious run on Monday Night Football. Uh, Robert Quinn, Christian Covington, Kerry Hyder and Tristan Hill into the defensive line. And Kellen uh, Moore is coming in as offensive line. You, you heard that right. Kellen uh, Moore, the old quarterback, you know, great. Great guy altogether. They lost yeah. Cole Beasley, Terrence Williams, Jeff Swain. Uh, they lost Holocaust denier David Irving, Darian uh, <laughs> Reid and Dayton Jones, as well as Damian Wilson, an all- outside linebacker. So the Cowboys are an interesting team. They finished last year strong, uh, started to look really together into the playoffs and actually quite dangerous. Dak is in his contract year, so the question is, will he be able to prove that he's worth the money of a franchise quarterback should he be getting the kind of deal that he'd be probably able to command. I don't think he's the best but he's probably right at the bottom end of that um, of that group of we've probably got enough in him to, to do things with but this year is a big year for him to prove it. So Zeke obviously drives that offence. There's a problem that we mentioned in the news about him possibly going to sit out and look for the look for a a contract from them. Their defence showed really well towards the back end of the season last year in particular. So they're a team that, if you just go by how they were trending towards the back end of last season, they were looking very, very strong. But the Cowboys constantly do that thing of kind of looking a little bit good at the back end and maybe collapsing a little bit the next year because they have the world's most milquetoast, boring head coach in the world. Like... (laughs) What do you expect to see out of them this year?
1: Yeah, like I, I, I think like given they have extremely good talent at certain positions, and that means that they they could definitely go on a run and be an NFC contender, and and that would be unsurprising. It'd be very annoying because then every single NFL news story about the Cowboys forever. Uh, but it's certainly possible. Like on the offense, we know that Seagull is very good. Dak Prescott has still questions but he's certainly an effective quarterback, it's just a question of whether he's closer to Andy Dalton, uh, or he's closer to Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes, or whoever your, your, your benchmark is. Uh, but you look at the, like, I suppose, thinking in of the offense, the rest of the talent there, in terms of the skill positions, is very questionable. Like, you're swapping Cole Beasley for Randall Cobb, and then you have a Mary Cooper, who obviously looked really good last year, but obviously has had questionable years. So was that just him playing for a contract, or has he legitimately... Was he just wasted in Oakland, basically? And uh, Michael Gallup is a nice kind of like, like, like a breakout candidate. He had a good year last year, but uh, we'll see if he can build on that. And he has like some other bits and pieces thrown together, like well, Jason Witten brought back and
0: like and, th- this and, is one that's always been off. Me. like, what do you expect to actually see out of Jason Witten here? Because like, if I remember correctly, his contract stipulates to be playing less snaps than he was before Yeah.
1: Nothing. Like, I, he's kind of a coach on the field type of thing. I think it, this is just basically, this seems like a Jerry move where, and obviously Jerry has less and less control versus his son Steven these days, but I think Jerry is like, Jason Witten's like, I need to get out of this like broadcasting gig. Everyone's making fun of me. Can I come to you and be a coach? But I want to play one more year as well. Like If he retired like a couple of games in, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't expect much from him, and I don't really expect much from Randall Cobb either. I think Randall Cobb, if he can't look good with Aaron Rodgers, then I don't see why he'd be good in this offense either. Uh, the offensive line is still good, albeit the injuries and people like Tyron Smith are a bit worrying mm-hmm. as they're accruing over time. And on the defense, like there are some really good players like Demarcus Lawrence. Obviously, we saw that like that linebacker duo of Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. Mm-hmm. But like, secondary is full of players who are probably playing above their name right now. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that Chris Richard, obviously defense former grants coordinator at the Seahawks, it's followed the Seahawks system effectively, and it's getting good play out of like you know not the top-level cornerbacks or safeties that may be out there. And I think it's a defense that we... I think the big question is is the defense that like absolutely shut down the Saints uh, during the regular season, or shut down the Seahawks in the playoffs, is that the one we're going to see this season? Because if that did happen, then you would have to take the Cowboys seriously as a contender in the NFC and for the Super Bowl. Yeah. But Personally speaking, I kind of feel like it kind of felt like the whole league kind of went towards defense a little bit at the end of the last season in the NFC, and it just seemed that maybe they caught they caught teams at the right time. Like Drew Brees maybe was getting it. Like the Saints' offense got weaker after that point anyway, uh, and the Seahawks' offense obviously we know is a bit one dimensional. So, and they obviously they got they put like the Rams put up 30 against them in the divisional round. So, it's a team that has a bit more upside in defense than I'm used to. But the offense is basically the same offense we've been running out for a number of years. So they just kinda of feel like a team with Jason Garrett that could easily regress back towards the mean because that's just where Jason Garrett demands to be. Yeah. He's like the rich man's <laughs> the rich man's Jeff Fisher, basically, in my opinion. Mm. Um, so it's a team that could do really well. There's enough talent there to do really well, but with these off season issues and stuff like that, I personally see them as a team gonna regress a little bit down to nine and seven, miss out on the playoffs. But uh, if they do, if that defense is as good as we could have been, mm-hmm. saw so as we saw last year, then things get a lot more interesting.
0: Though. No, of course. Like I think I liked what I saw from the defense, and I think that's going to come on strong as well. I like the defensive line additions. I like what they're doing in, with that. I think Witten... While he probably won't have a huge impact in playing, I think it'll be useful for them in just like kind of scheming stuff up, trying stuff out, helping coach up some of their players to be better than they are. Like he was eternally just a great safety blanket, and if they could get someone coached up to do that, I think it would really, really help Dak in yeah. this year. Uh, I have them doing very well. In fact, I have them going twelve and four and getting the number one seed in the NFC.
1: Are you are you, you buying into the Kellen Moore superstar? Offensive mind type, or is it just basically on no. they're a solid
0: team? No, this is that. This is that. I think they're a solid team, and obviously this is predicated on like Zeke not actually holding out and stuff like that. But um, but I think they're a good solid team. I think they've got a nice uh, a nice schedule this year as well that'll let them do quite well. I think the fact that, and I, I think we both believe this, the fact that this is a very fifty fifty division uh, means that like they can pick up wins. A lot more easily against two of their divisional foes. I think it just have a feel that this might be the year when they put the stuff together. Now I have been going twelve and four, getting the first seed, and then getting knocked out immediately in the playoffs. I have them doing like <laughs> uh, what was it? Was it the two thousand and sixteen um, Bengals kind of thing of like looking really, really, really good, and then just continuing to shit the bed in the off season yeah. or in the in the postseason?
1: They get pulled up on like an, uh, an OPI call.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, 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 this is this is the team that that will happen to possibly, um, but yeah, because I think who who do I have them playing in it? Um, oh yeah, you see the problem is they in my lineup end up playing the Saints, who I think the Saints are kind of built to be the kind of team that it's. I don't think they come up against too much of the, like, we can just outscore you type offences during the regular season, but I don't know if they have the ability to beat them because they will come up against them in the postseason. So that's where I have them sitting for this year. Uh, we'll move on to the Eagles. They've added uh, Malik Jackson, Vinnie Curry and Hassan Ridgeway onto the D-line have also added Deshaun Jackson, Jordan Howard, and Miles Saunders to the offense, and Andrew Sandejo, LJ Ford, and Zach Brown. Uh, They lost Nick Foles, Golden Tate, uh, Stephen Wisniewski, and Jordan Matthews. Uh, They also lost Michael Bennett, Halodi Nada, Chris Long, Jordan Hicks, DJ Alexander, and Chris Maragon. This is an interesting one for the Eagles because there's eternally a question about Carson Wentz of he was two years ago on the track for an MVP discussion, possibly winning an MVP before he got injured. Since he's come back from those injuries, he has been good, but he has not been as good as he was in that season. Now, this year will put him another year away from that. He will have hopefully fully rehabbed and he will hopefully not have any more injury concerns. But they don't have the safety blank that they've had in that time of having an excellent backup quarterback to go to in Nick Foles. I'm still not sure if Nick Foles is a... like a good tier starting quarterback but he is an incredible backup to have available to you their defense have retooled a bit they've added a lot more to that defensive line continuing that rotation approach that they had they lost Michael Bennett but adding Malik Jackson and Vinny Curry I think are quite nice pieces to bring in there like I think possibly my favorite move they had this offseason was getting Jordan Howard for a song because I think he's quite a good back. I think he can fit the scheme that they want to run there. I think he can provide a lot that that offense was lacking whenever you know they didn't have the running back because of the knee injuries from... Um, what's the name? The... Uh, pardon? J.H.I.? Yeah, from J.H.I. and stuff. So I, I, I am quite high on them. I do wonder a little bit about how much their offensive scheme evolves from year to year because I think... They came out really strong two years ago. Last year, they basically put almost the exact same thing out there again and they weren't finding as much success with it because they weren't amending it that much. So I think we'll need to see a bit of a re-scheme and I'm hoping that bringing in someone like Jordan Howard who could be that kind of bruising, more of a bell cow type player could help that a bit. Um, but yeah, I think the, the question mark is whence and have the additions they've made allow him to get back to his form from two years ago
1: think that's mostly injury related I think certainly is will he get back to that like all pro level he was playing at um, before his injury that's a question but I think he's still an effective quarterback he's still good enough to make plays and he's still good enough to make this offense tick along there's enough talent on the offense that he doesn't need to be uh, the truck he can trailer a bit like mm. during the season um, like you know he has all John Jeffrey Deshaun Jackson's back And they have people like Nelson Algor, and obviously, they have that pair of tight ends and Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, who are very probably the two best, like the best two tight end tandem in the league. And then the offensive line, they're bringing the same players back, it's a good offensive line. And they added Andre Dillard in the draft as well, um, making basically a succession plan there for Jason Peters. So, the offense, even if Carson Wentz isn't at his best, should be good, but it does require Carson Wentz to be there in some capacity. Because Cody Kessler or Nate Sudfeld are unlikely to get the job done, they're just yeah. too shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then the defence, I'm willing to basically trust that they'll be able to put out a you know, a reasonable defence. Like they've managed to basically deal with lots of turnover in that front and in that secondary lot now. Jim Schwartz has done a great job as defensive coordinator there over the last couple of years. Uh, probably is err air, like erring towards maybe a head coaching gig in the near future if they continue that, and you know and like the talent is mostly there, uh, and then like the secondary maybe like Ron Darby there's a bit of a question whether he's like good enough to be an RB uh, like a CB one, uh, but you know like you you lose players like Hicks uh, who was very underrated as an inside linebacker, uh, and you lose players like Bennett, but you bring in Malik Jackson, you bring in Andrew Sudejo, and you're kind of like oh on average I think they'll be good enough to still be good, yeah. and. I think in a division where there's basically two tomato cans just waiting to be knocked over, that should be enough for them to rack up the kind of wins that make them, mm. you know, very relevant at the NFC playoff. So play what, have you, what
0: have you got um, them going? So, to...
1: so I have to go eleven and five, number four seed, wild card. right getting knocked in the wild card round, mm. but I think it's the kind of team that they're a very streaky team. They even when they won the Super Bowl, very streaky, and when they're on a roll and things are going well, they do tend to like absolutely annihilate teams. So if they if they time things right, then don't put it beyond them to get up there towards Super Bowl
0: once again. No, of course. I have a fairly similar set uh, setup. I've been going twelve and four, but that's only good enough for the fifth seed, and them also going out in the wild card round uh, with that. Um, like I said, yeah, I'm with you that they are the kind of team that could come out of the gate firing and actually just have a great run down the stretch. But it's just it's very hard to predict that. So I think I think they're they're getting there, but I'm not sure if they've got enough to to go the whole way again. Next up we have, oh my, the uh, New York Giants. They have added Eli Manning Jr., uh, Daniel Jones to the offense. Uh, They got Golden Tate, which is nice to get. Kevin Zeitler as part of that trade. Uh, Mike Remmers, Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, Deandra Baker, uh, Antoine Batea, and Marcus Golden. A lot of names, like a lot of name recognition coming in there as well, even if one or two might be kind of maybe not quite what they were beforehand. They lost Odell Beckham Jr., Jamon Brown, Olivier Vernon, Mario Edwards, Kerry Wynn, Connor Barwin, Landon Collins, uh, B. W. Webb, and Curtis Riley. This is a team that looked rudderless for most of last year. The best quarterbacking was done by the wide receiver that they have since traded to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Eli Manning looked completely out of his depth. He does not look like he's a starting quarterback or at least a starting quarterback in that system with the surrounding talent they have at the moment. So I don't know if he's going to be able to hold on to his job for the entire year, given this is an organisation that, now albeit different personnel, did allow him to be replaced by Gino Smith at one point last year. This is very much a spot where I don't know if he can hold off Daniel Jones for the entire year. In fact, I would expect that they will have Daniel Jones by week probably eight or nine in my head. The defense have added a lot of nice pieces. They are definitely look to be retooling that even with their choices in, in in some of the draft looking to find new, fresh people to come in and a lot of free agent action on that as well. But this is at its heart now. They've lost Odell Beckham Jr. They're hoping presumably starting Shepherd and people like that can, can, can step up. This is an offense that's going to run through Saquon. But... If you don't have a quarterback that can threaten on the outside, why would anyone respect you enough to not give you eight-man boxes the whole time if Eli Manning is under centre?
1: Yeah, don't be fair, Saquon still managed to make him look good, even when it was happening last year. That's true. We've already seen what the offence looks like in that situation, that's last year's offence. It wasn't very impressive, except for Saquon, uh, but it got yards through Saquon, but yeah, it was kind of shit, basically, except for saying one. Like, Evan Ingram is back this year. That adds an extra element, but obviously doesn't really compensate for losing OBJ. And then you get Golden Tate, who's a solid player, but your other best wide receiver after OBJ is traded was was Sterling Shepard, who's also a slot-type receiver. So you get all these kind of slot-type receivers now. Basically, Cody Lanimer, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate, Russell Shepard, Corey Coleman. These all basically do roughly the same job to varying degrees of efficacy, and you kind of, well, I suppose that makes sense if you're planning for your quarterback to only ever throw five yards. Uh, like, maybe it makes sense to only have slot receivers in that case, uh, but it's not exactly something that, uh, you know, is going to create the kind of space that makes bubble screens effective for say, Paul Marley. Uh And the offensive line, like, is getting better over time, maybe. Like, Will Hernandez, Nate Solder, Zeitler, that's a decent set of offensive linemen to start building around. But, you know, that was true last year to a certain extent. And PFF kind of says that their offensive line went from being absolutely shit to maybe, like, below average. Maybe they didn't get to average this year. Uh, and then the defense, yeah, they added some interesting players. I think you're right. Like, I think Dexter Lawrence is an interesting rookie, like a very interesting defensive tackle. And Jabril Peppers is someone that I think maybe his, the excitement of his game has exceeded the actual production of his game in mm-hmm. terms of actually being a good defender. And uh, DeAndre Baker was a good, like, uh, pickup in terms of how they manage to draft him. But it, it almost feels like they're just they're they're trying to fill the gaps as quickly as they emerge. When you look throughout the entire defense, you're still looking at a, a defense where there's a big hole at defensive tackle alongside Dexter Lawrence, the secondary, it's it's gonna rely on Anton Baker and Andrew Baker, John Baker to have immediate starters. It just feels like a defense that's so it, it's lost many pieces like Landon Collins, Little and that they're just trying to build them as quickly as they can. And I'm not sure that means it's going to be actually that much better. Now, it was very bad last year, particularly against the run. So there's always room for improvement when you're starting from that low base. But even given that, they, have, like, they, they haven't really changed the personnel. They haven't changed the coaching. So you'd be worried that the defense isn't going to be good enough to keep them competitive. And then the offense is going to have to go pass heavy. And that's where we saw Eli and we believe Daniel Jones is pretty similar, they're going to end up making kind of under-pressure throws that get into, get into a lot of trouble, and they don't have OBJ to bail them out anymore, so that just makes no. things even
0: worse. Like, I just I just don't see this team turning it around at all this year. I think, I just checked out their bye week is week 10, I think. So, like, yeah, I think that's going to be the cut-off point. You're either going to see Daniel Jones before then, or you're going to see him immediately after then. Um, like there's no way they get beyond that point if the season goes as i, I think both of us expect that you're not going to see him at that point i have them going 2 and 14 that's probably overly harsh because i think there are probably teams that just saquon and uh, even kind of like you know first year college level passing game would be able to to win but i just see them like I don't know I don't know that I trust the defensive pieces. I think there's a lot of talent there, but I think a lot of them are new, a lot of them are young, a lot of them don't know the scheme. I think it's yeah, it's just messy. I've got them going two and fourteen.
1: Three and thirteen pretty much agree you
0: completely. Yeah. Uh, and finally onto their other tomato can buddies in this division, the Mazungus. Uh, Washington have added Dwayne Haskins and Case Keenum to the giant room of quarterbacks that they keep getting broken. Uh, they've also added Landon Collins, Montez Sweat, Eric Flowers, Terry McLaren. I don't even know Terry McLaren And uh, Bryce Love. Is Terry McLaren a rookie? Uh, I
1: believe so,
0: yes. Yeah, okay. I was like, I, I, <laughs> I was just wondering, like, is it so bad that it's just no-name additions because no one wants to go there? Pretty um, much. <laughs> They've lost quarterback Alex Smith to injury, although apparently his brace has now come off his leg and they are talking up him coming back earlier than expected, which is, seems like a terrible idea to me. They also yeah. lost Preston yeah. Smith, HaHa Clinton, Dick, Zach Brown, Pernell McPhee, Jameson Crowder, Ty Nisheki. is that how you say it?
1: Nishiki, I
0: think. Yeah, and uh, Maurice Harris. So, the obvious question, like the first one out of the gate has to be who's going to start at quarterback for this team. Uh, it's not going to be Alex Smith, even if he's back... And at the facility, I don't think he's going to be fit and ready to actually be playing uh, at all. Maybe late in the season, but even then, it seems pointless. Um, so they've either got Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, or I think they still have their quarterback, Cole McCoy. McCoy. So like that, it'll be a bit interesting, at least over the over the over the camp battle as to who's going to be starting. They've added some nice pieces on defense with uh, Collins and Sweat. I think they probably. Again, I'm just not sure about the talent level everywhere else on it to make that happen. Like, they have handed out huge contracts to people. It's like Landon Collins is a huge contract, and there's question marks over whether or not that was a worthwhile spend. That is joining Josh Norman as a massively overpaid wide receiver, or sorry, uh, free agent who joined that backfield and who's still being massively overpaid for what he's doing. Even if he does have this incredible ability to jump over bulls. As he showed it, uh, was it Pamplova? or yeah, yeah? If you want to watch that, there's a little video of him. He went to run with the bulls, and at one point decided to just jump over a bull because yeah, why not? Who cares? Uh, Adrian Peterson looked good last year in this offense. Uh, the offensive line, uh, it not great, as you can see the the history of. Like carnage injuries to quarterbacks mean that these are not the best line in the world but maybe there's enough there to support a new quarterback with Peterson it's coming a, out of the back
1: it's a good offensive line when they're healthy which is very rarely <laughs> yeah. and of course they're in entire defeat with Trent Williams their franchise left tackle about one of those situations that occurred around that uh, yeah so problematic
0: yeah this is this is just a team that I just we said this about them last year, and I think possibly the year before that. You just don't see it. I gave them more credit last year when Alex Smith was under centre. Because I was like, look, Alex Smith can... He, he's not gonna, he, he won't be a truck that will take you all the way to a playoff, but it will be a truck who will drag you to seven or eight wins kind of thing, you know? Um, yeah. If nothing more. But yeah, I just... I don't know, like, maybe Dwayne Haskins could light it up. Maybe Case Keenum can get a couple of good games and kind of get something going. But I just don't see... I don't see what if you were an opposing team you would look at on this team and go like oh we got to watch out for that like unless Montez Sweat comes out of the gate firing like I'm not sure yeah and it's really hard to get
1: this team just because over the last well, the almost three or four years at this point <coughs> injuries have basically turned their week one roster into a completely different roster uh, by week 17 like pulling out just random quarterbacks okay you go uh, or you go this time <laughs> uh you know it, it was just a basically a, yeah, a bit of a joke last year um I think personally like Dwayne Haskins they picked him in the first round he looks like a solid Jake Rudin type quarterback he's the most pro like he's one of the more pro ready for prospects you gotta have so I wouldn't have a problem with throwing him in because Case Keenum we know what Case Keenum is he was in a similar situation in Denver last year and basically he shit the bed and Cole McCoy is Cole McCoy, so maybe Jake Rudin will give him another chance. But yeah, like I think the running backs between Darius guys, Andrew Peterson, and I think Bryce Love has some interesting. Was was fairly highly touted coming into the draft. It's a decent set, and Chris Thompson is still there if he can get back to health. Uh, but you look at the kind of skill positions beyond that, and you're relying on Paul Richardson, Jordan Reed, players who just haven't really done enough. Yeah. And the offensive line, as I said. If the first-team offensive line all play and are all healthy, it isn't that bad, but that just has never happened. So I'll I'll believe it when I see it. And the defense is interesting because, once again, injuries have played such a big role in undermining them. Like John and Allen, he looked really good when he was playing, when he's played, but he's just had a few injuries occasionally that just Mm. seemed to hit him just before he got it. Mason Foster looked quite good. Ryan Anderson looked quite good. And that secondary has enough players there that we could, it could be okay but I am worried about the debt because they brought DRC out of retirement to join the cornerback core but I think just the whole team we, we, like we've talked about before the organization is such, dis, such a dysfunctional thing something external or bad must be happening because all these injuries every single year and the coach Jake Rutan it will always give you a solid product he will never put out a truly terrible team but I've seen nothing to suggest that he'll ever put out a great team and yeah. even if all these pieces came together I just can't see them mm. being anything better than like an 8-and-8 eight, eight type team and personally just the way things are going and with all the quarterback turnover that they'll pro- like the quarterback conference they'll probably create for themselves I see it going very badly very quickly and Jay Gruden basically once he knows he's going to be fired which he's basically said he's going to be fired unless they make the playoffs he'll probably just like close shop and just move on effectively yeah. uh, for all intents and purposes so it just feels like a team that's about to take another dive even mm. though there are enough interesting pieces there that there, there is some upside uh, so personally I had them going 3-13 not mm. having a good year and probably the whole <coughs> team being blown up a year from now yeah. uh, but whoever comes in after J will be stuck with, with, with Haskins regardless
0: yeah no, I'm similar I've got them going 2-14 and 14. and again probably they could win another game or two but I just found it hard to give it to them when I was looking at them on paper at this point um, I think this team might be the candidate for a uh, like mid-season coach fire i could i could see them being the kind of this isn't working it's essentially a dead job because he knows that he's gone so bring in someone maybe promote an offensive coordinator or bring in someone who they think let's see how he works with dwayne haskins in the second half of the season and then go from there kind of thing um i could definitely see that happen particularly if it goes as badly as we think it is like this is an organization that is a shit show managerially. They will just do something like that to try and go. Well, look, we're trying. We're doing something. Uh, yeah, it's just, just, just a mess. Like, hopefully, they could prove us wrong, but because they're on TV so often, I'd love them to actually be watchable. But uh, yeah, just, just eye bleach, eye bleach the whole time. Um, I suppose we'll move over to the NFC North so and have a look here we uh yeah this is interesting we have a couple of disagreements on here we'll start with the bears um so they've added in mike davis david montgomery corderel patterson buster screen ha clinton dix marcus cooper uh eddie pinero is that who said and elliot yeah. fry uh which is unfortunate because chris blew it, was such a good name for a kicker oh my god <laughs> blew it again um, they lost Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan, Sam Acho, Jordan Howard, Josh Bellamy, Kevin White, Dion Sims, Eric Cush, and Brian Witzman. So this is this is an interesting um, kind of situation here. The Bears had a lovely season last year, bit like driven entirely pretty much by their defense. But you saw a little bit of development in Trubisky. There's still a wide ranging, uh, and I mean wide ranging. Uh, views on whether or not he's a good quarterback. Some people think he might be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, and other people think that he's actually brilliant. It's just being hidden. Um, So this is interesting. Nagy did well bringing in gadget plays, making the most of what he could with him. Uh, We'll see if that can continue on a little bit more. My major concern for this team is, one, defensive personnel-wise... They've lost a few people. Will they be able to survive? They were very lucky in the turnover battle and the interception numbers that they had last year and whether or not that is sustainable. But more over than that, they lost their defensive coordinator. And I think people are massively underplaying how much of an impact that will have on this team. Their identity was this kind of hard-nosed defense. We will shut you down and then... We can put it on on offense in kind of bits and spurts kind of thing. We can, we can move the ball with our running backs. We can do some things with screen plays, with option plays, with getting Trubisky to move around a bit. If their defense isn't as shut down and as dominant and as interception happy as it was last year, they lose a lot of the games that they won last year. So then they don't have anywhere near a successful looking team. Do we think that Nagy will be able to have enough development in this off season to make the offence be more of a factor in them winning games than it was last year?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's it's a really good question. It's really hard to know at this point. I think like when you look through the offensive roster, there is a lack right now of kind of what you call game breaking talent, like talents who just kind of like can like, do things by their own. Like, their wide receiver number one is Alan Robinson. Who's like a fairly standard receiver, not too bad. Then maybe he can he can kick on in year two, out from his injury. But then the rest of their offensive, like their wide receivers or gadget players, like Gabriel, like Anthony Miller, who, who maybe has more development potential. And then they bring in Patterson, who's very much the same. Uh, I think the most, I think the big hype right now is around the running back they drafted, David Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, that the, the word from the street was that he's a great all-round running back, good on the ground, good. Uh, with his hands, maybe he doesn't have the kind of uh, superstar uh, speed or whatever like that, but it's just great to have around, basically, he just as everything. And that maybe will reduce their reliance on Tariq Cohen to kind of do stuff. And obviously Jordan Howard always felt like a, an ill fit there. I know you rate him very highly, but I don't think he was... He didn't fit what well, Matt Nagy no, wanted No, he, he did.
0: didn't fit their system at all.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Mitchell Trubisky... I have no idea. Like at times, he, he, he looked like a decent quarterback. At times, he looked like a terrible quarterback. And to many, in many ways, he just seems like an older Josh Allen, uh, the Bills' quarterback, basically to me at the moment. But he could always push on. And the defense, I think they, they lose a couple of contributors like Adrian Amos and uh, and Bryce Callahan. But I kind of think that like the 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 defensive backs, which they lost the most, are still solid. They have Luca Mora. They have Fuller. Pretty uh, Clinton Dixie who isn't a bad replacement uh, But yeah, as you say the big question is Vic Fangio is mm-hmm. gone now. They bring in Chuck Pagano Obviously, Chuck Pagano is a former head coach was a very well-considered defensive coordinator But can he create a defense from these pieces which are obviously kind of optimized for the Vic Fangio system? Can he create something that's equally effective? Uh, like they still have Roquan Smith. They still have Khalil Mack, So I, I fail to see them becoming a good defense But if there's a bit of a dropout, then yes, the question's about Mitchell Trubisky and Matt Nagy's ability to extract value from trick plays, which is almost like an Andy reed kind of cliche that Andy Reid always starts off really yeah. quick because he has all these plays and Matt Nagy's following that tradition. But can you do that for a whole season if say competitive in a pretty good division? It'll be interesting to see. I think there's enough there. I still, I really like what Nagy did last year. I think he could do more. But I don't think the defense should be that much worse. So I think they'll still be well in contention and manage to sneak uh, and eleven and five, good for the number sixteen in the NFC. So I think there'll be a drop off, but I don't think it'll be so bad as to put them out of contention in the NFC uh, kind of playoff hunt.
0: Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm close to you, but I'm just airing on the other side of it. So I've got them going nine and seven. By no means a bad season. Which would you put them seventh, just outside of getting a wild card spot? But um, it's just that thing of if if David Montgomery comes in, and he's he's very good. Then I will be somewhat. Less worried about the offense because a solid running back who can catch out of the backfield and is a three-down back would be exactly what they need. Maybe a nice piece on the tight end or something, a bit more production from that side of things. Like it's just that thing of I, I'm I'm more than happy to be wrong about this, but I just I'm not sure if Trubisky-based offense will be able to sustain over a 16-game. Uh, season is the problem. So I have them winning 9 and 7 but I could easily see that going up to where you are 11 and 5 and them, them bringing in because if that defense stays good I think it'll stay good I just don't think it'll be as great as it was last year so it's on the offense to prove to me that they can do something a little bit more consistent uh, and I, li- I like the coach I like Mitch Trubisky as a player I just want to see them develop a little bit more this season. Next up we have the Lions. Uh, so they added Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman, Rashad Melvin, Andrew Adams, uh, TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James, Logan Thomas, Damien Dola, CJ Anderson, Jermaine Curse. Then they lost Ziggy Ansa, uh, Kerry Hyder, Eli Harolds, Trevor Bates, Glover Quinn, Nevin Lawson, Marcus Cooper, Deshaun Snead. TJ Lang, the Garrett Blunt, Luke Wilson, and Bruce Ellington. So,
1: like the the sheer kind of like, there's a lot of names here, but I don't care about any of them. Yeah, there's it's very much indicative of the type of offseason that they had.
0: Yeah, there's a job. lot a lot of churn going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Matt Patricia continuing his plan to build another little New England somewhere. So picks up a couple of New England veterans uh, hoping to kind of get something to happen. There's possibly a bit of pressure on him after last season uh, because it didn't really have the performances that they hoped they would have. Uh, Secondary change over is kind of quite aggressive here for the second years you said like there's players who literally retiring because they just don't think they're going to fit in here anymore uh so there's a lot going on patricia is known for being defensive mind so hopefully this will actually bring something a little bit more to the table than there was beforehand um yeah it's it's interesting because i do find i mentioned earlier i found the lions so painfully boring to watch last year but there are pieces here that could be exciting like I don't know if I rate Danny Danny Amendola as being a fantastic pickup for them. I think it's interesting that they're making a big move into the tight end position. They're investing in TJ Hawkinson, Jesse James. Jesse James, I think they possibly slightly overpaid for, given what his production was beforehand. But it could be that they like what he provides in the blocking game as well as what they could possibly do matchup wise Like, bring in multiple tall, big tight ends to play on an offensive system. When you're coming from a New England... Uh, background is interesting because that is what they were doing a couple of years ago um, I just don't know if they can do anything that's all that exciting like they just seem kind of blur to me at the moment I don't know what defines them as a team I think their defence was alright I'm not sure if the additions are going to make them fantastic hopefully something will happen with the scheme their offence was okay I don't know if these additions will make them great I like the fact that they're rechanging their focus and investing heavily in tight ends to kind of maybe change it up a little bit like that. But, like, I'm just not sure if maybe this is a spot where Matt Patricia is a very good defensive coordinator or learned from a very good defensive coordinator but maybe doesn't have the vision to be a head coach.
1: Or, I think, like, I would agree, I have questions about that, but my bigger question about him is that he's basically trying to do a full rebuild but with a team that isn't really bad enough um uh, yeah. to kind of justify it like i think the defensive like the detroit team that he inherited wasn't great but it was okay it was decent like you can get wins and now he's basically doing a full remake over two seasons and i kind of feel like the way that they overpaid trey flowers mm-hmm. they bring bringing in people like danny Amendola. he's trying to cut a few short he's trying to cut a few corners and basically try and recreate the New England Patriots quicker than perhaps he would if he felt comfortable <clears throat> maybe doing this over three or four years. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you look throughout the entire team and all you find is questions. Now, there are a few players that you're like, OK, like, I think Kenny they should kick on and be, have a good year. Yeah. I think that the, the tight ends can't be worse than they were last year. And the offensive line is pretty good. And they have a few kind of highlights in the, the defense um, who should hopefully be able to kick on and do some stuff, and the secondary, I think the secondary should be better, I'm not sure it would be that much better, but it should be better. Actually, for me personally, the biggest problem with this team, is actually, well not the biggest problem, but the biggest question mark, is Matthew Stafford. We found out recently that he actually played through last season with a broken back, and he really, you know, despite his reputation as a kind of, you know, just throw it up there type of quarterback, who just, you know, a gunslinger basically, like someone in the Brett Favre mould, the last few years have seen a, very significant regression in the production he's managed to have in the league, and obviously last year you could excuse that through the injury. You know, the, yeah. the injury, but you're talking about someone who you know over the last three years has been hovering. Sorry, over the last five years has been hovering between like the low four thousands to below four thousand last year, and you know obviously he's lost some offensive talent mm. this off season. He's obviously getting older, and you've got a question: Is Matthew Stafford's still someone who we can expect to fulfill, kind of maybe the early promise that he had of become this kind of like uh, guy who can drag the franchise alongside him. I think the entire point of the Matt Patricia project is that he shouldn't have to do that but based on the talent level that actually exists on the roster, if they want to genuinely contend in the NFC this year they basically need Matt Stafford to go back to being that kind of crazy quarterback who ended up going having all those comeback wins a few years ago and right now I think Matt Zapper might be someone in, in gradual decline, uh, for lack of a better term. And if that is true, that basically changes my entire perception of this team and changes the entire perception of this team, not just this season, but for the seasons coming forward. Um, so I think Patricia might have bitten off too much, maybe has bitten off more than he can chew, maybe he's got over-ambitious, and if things do go very bad this year, it does feel like a team that could end up ditching the Patricia project very soon, and they're going to end up getting stuck at a halfway house between... Their old team, the rebuilt team, and with a Matt, with a Matt Stafford who isn't really the player that we kind of maybe thought he was, or his reputation would make me suggest he is um, from a few years ago.
0: Yeah, like I'm just I'm having a little look through now actually because I was remembering like a few of, a few of those stats in the previous years as well were kind of pushed up by the fact that they were getting down into holes and just saying look just fucking hose it out there, just see what you can do. But like. When you look at these numbers, like last year, 21 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. The year beforehand, 29 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. That was a slightly better one. 24 to 10, 32 to 13. Like, he's broken 30 touchdowns twice in his entire career. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's not It's not really I'd, living I'd, up to what, what the billing is for a lot of it. But um I'd,
1: just worried you know like uh, I'm just a bit worried about this team yeah. uh, at the moment uh, so I'm going 5 and 11 not really being a factor in the NFC
0: yeah I've got them similar going 6 and 10 winning one or two more games which I find very weird because like you hear a lot of commentators like the likes of uh, Chris Wessling on the, uh, around the league uh, NFL podcast around the NFL podcast and he reckons they have one of the best rosters in the league and I'm just not really seeing it to be honest yeah, I don't, I don't see it at
1: all. I, I, I think the additions they have are all solid players, but they don't feel like like blue chip game changers. No. Like Trey Flowers is someone who's in the Bill Belichick defence. We'll see how good he is once he leaves New England. The historic record isn't much in the favour of these big payouts for New England. Oh, of course. Uh, like, you are only
0: in this spot is the fact that he has been coached by this gentleman beforehand and hopefully he can keep getting production out of him. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just I'm not sure about it. Um, So, yeah, so kind of non-factors there for both of us. Uh, Next up, we have the Packers. So, after somewhat of a tumultuous off-season, we have a couple of large-scale changes coming into the Packers. Uh, Head coach Matt LaFleur is in now, changing up the systems quite a bit. They've also added uh, Adrian Amos, Preston Smith, Sidarius Smith, Rashad Gary and Darnell Savage. As well as Billy Turner and Elton Jenkins, uh, they lost Clay Matthews. Oh no, what a big loss! Uh, <laughs> Nick Perry, Mo Wilkerson, uh, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, Lance Kendrick, Jake Ryan, Bershad Breland, and Kenthel Price uh, or Kentrell Price rather. So, the obvious big question is: What can Matt LeFleur do with this offense? They have probably the final couple of years of Aaron Rodgers sitting here in front of them. Uh, There's been obviously very widely reported issues between uh, Rodgers and his old head coach McCarthy. They did not see eye to eye. Apparently he was changing pretty much all the plays at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Wouldn't let him do anything at all. So McLeur is brought in to try and change around how that offense works and do something different. They've brought in some toys. They've got the same kind of personnel in there, but the idea now from what we're hearing from all the reporting is that there's not going to be as much ability to improvise at the line of scrimmage. It'll be a bit more designed. There is a huge personnel change around on this defense. If you just look at the number of players who have been brought in, like, I listed, what, five or six new players on the defense there who are probably all... high impact. high impact players. Yeah, and they're all slated to be kind of starters or, or, or definitely a, a worst-case rotational <laughs> starters. So... Can Mike Pettin finally start to see a bit of production from this? Because they haven't had a pass rush properly in years. They haven't really had too many positions of strength in that team. Apart from, I think, was it three or four years ago, they got great play out of their cornerbacks for one season. Um, so this is a kind of spot where you have a new head coach with a lot of pressure on them. You've got a whole raft of new defensive pieces coming in. So there's now pressure piled on to the defensive coordinator as well. So they've invested heavily in that quarterback group. They're now adding some safeties. This is a team that I think has a huge amount of potential, but also because of that is also somewhat of a powder keg. Matt Lafleur is somewhat of an unproven commodity here at the head coach position. Whether or not he's gonna be able to step in and deal with what sounds like a difficult individual to deal with in Aaron Rodgers, how he'll be able to manage that without the experience of this type of relationship with these type of echelon of superstars that he has to deal with there is a lot that could go wrong in here, but I look at this roster, I look at the top, maybe they're missing depth in some areas, but I do like what I see, and I like the potential that's here, particularly given their penchant for late minute, uh, last minute Hail Marys, and the new regulations that might help them with that.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a situation where on the offense, I think the big thing is that under McCarthy, things have got stale, all of the reports are that it was easy to predict his offence. It was obviously a very innovative offence when he first became Green Bay coach. But by the end, it was very, very static, very, very easy to read. And there, because of that, Aaron Rodgers basically just started improvising at the line of scrimmage, basically running his own offence based on whatever thought came to his head at the time, basically. One which basically required his receivers to be uh, telepathic, effectively. Um, so I think that may, the mere fact that Matt LaFore is basically bringing the copied homework from the Sean McVay offense going, here is a new offensive playbook. <laughs> what do you think, Aaron? And Aaron's like, yeah, there's good plays there. There's new plays. I can do stuff. I can, there's new stuff. I think we're just hoping, uh, as much as anything, that that mere fact of like new stuff will mean that Aaron Rodgers will be renewed. Because I think we all kind of hope that Aaron Rodgers isn't just going to kind of, like, run off into, like, his career's going to end in kind of a slump of, Poor coaching and lack of talent around him. I think we're all kind of hoping that he can return to the kind of sensational play that he brought to the league a few years ago rather than the more up and down play he's had in recent years. And I think, I think you know, the innovative snuff and Air Rodgers sheer talent maybe enough to simply create a new offense by magic alone. I think if they use Aaron Jones more in a running back situation, like Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett or OC is who's created a good offense with Blake Bortles, and a good running game, so mm-hmm. I think taking a little bit of pressure off Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be a bad idea either. And on the defense, um, yeah, as you say, there's so much talent being brought in here, it's hard to believe that they won't be better. I think the offense, like the like the like Preston Smith and Zedarius Smith are both question marks. And Rashawn Gary as well are all question marks in terms of can they translate it to being full time starters Mm -hmm. and actual get like enough pass rush to be. Effective, but I think it's hard to be less effective than Clay Matthews and Nick Berry, who were both very worn-out prospects at the time they left this offseason. And as they say, Darnell Savage and Adrian Almas to go along with all the cornerbacks that they've basically got over the uh, last few years. Although Jair Alexander is probably the only one who's actually lived up to his billing so far. Mm-hmm. I think the defense should be better just by sheer talent alone. Mm-hmm. And if the defense is solid and is like a you know a top fifteen type of defense, then I think. Aaron Rodgers, if he's anywhere near his best, will make the Green Bay Packers a contender by default. I think we're all kind of still living and remembering the world where Aaron Rodgers was good enough to make a team good simply by himself. And if he doesn't have to do that, great. But I think with a new offensive coordinator, with a new head coach, the potential that could just happen again is uh, worth betting the house on uh, in this case. <clears throat> uh, so in my case, I have to win 12 wins, uh, getting knocked out in the divisional round as a number two seed. But... Obviously, as I say, if Aaron Rodgers is on fire, uh, that could mean
0: they could win against everyone. Yeah, no, 100%. I've got them going, same record, 12-4, and four, getting the two-seat, but I have them making it all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, fortunately losing out in the Super Bowl to uh, an incredible team. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> phenomenal stuff. But, uh, you know, there's no shame in losing to the greatest of all time, Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, so I think... I, I can see this going very high. Like like I said, there's a potential for this to implode if Matt Lafleur can't manage that relationship. If his offense gets stale in Aaron Rodgers' eyes or he decides that he wants to change it a lot and they get into fisticuffs, bad stuff could happen. But I think Lafleur yeah. signed on knowing that he was going to have to deal with Rodgers, so I think he's accepting that this is going to be a relationship that is going to take a lot of time to manage. My
1: assumption is that it takes like a year or two or Aaron Rodgers gets sick of all your plays and pick his own plays. You know, it gets maybe a year or two where the sheer new fact a new playbook is enough that he doesn't completely override you as a head coach. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we'll move over and we'll have a look at the Vikings. So they've added uh, Garrett Bradbury, Josh Klein, Dakota Dozier, um, Brett Jones, Drew Sat. Samia, uh, they also had a tight end Irving Smith Jr., uh, Sherbert Steven and Armin Watts. They lost Nick Easton, Mike Remmers, Tom Copton, uh, Sheldon Richardson, Andrew Sadehu, uh, George Ioka, Tom Johnson, Latavius Murray and Aldrich Robinson. So, yeah, this is an interesting one. Uh, they've basically just replaced everyone on the offensive line to try and uh, help Cousins uh, to see what happened. I yeah I I know I've got my biases about this I'm I don't rate cousins particularly highly but um, to be fair he probably could have used a little bit of better offensive line work last year he was getting a little bit ruined quite a bit the defense had lost a number of starters here as well which is a bit of an issue this is a problem that we talked about them last year I think to, especially towards the back end of the season that. This was a team that had that young defensive grouping of kind of young developing superstars and now they're having to lose some of them and they have to pay other ones and they're paying a lot of money to a quarterback that possibly they are starting to lose too much of that core to still be considered the elite defense that we saw contend very, very, very deep two years ago. Um, but... This is the thing, they're looking at trying to build around this offense. They're looking at the pieces they have because they have some proper quality stars on that side of the ball. Like, accepting cousins because. People believe that is excellent. People believe he's terrible. Uh, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. They do have Thielen, they have Diggs, and they have Cooks there in that offense. And that is a great combination of offensive pieces to be able to build around. If you've now got an improved offensive line and this actually clicks well and you get the production out of Cousins that you gave him a $90 million guaranteed contract for, this could be an offensive juggernaut if they get it rolling correctly. So possibly the refocus away from the defense could work for them because of the way that everything is moving now I'm not sure that's going to be the case one because of my concerns about Cousins but also that just if if that offense isn't elite and the defense takes a step back they didn't prove enough last year to be able to to do much with it and if if it steps back a bit further particularly in divisions like this with the schedule they have I could see them regressing further
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird team, and obviously it's a team you can't not see through the lens of the the fully guaranteed contract given to Cousins uh, last offseason. Um, there's still enough talent there on the defense and the offense that you can't count them out, but as you say, the big issue now is in the trenches on the offensive line, have they updated or not? Like, I think the only good offensive line they, they did have, uh, Nick Easton has gone on free agency, but they've added Garrett Bradbury. Uh, in the draft and Josh Klein in free agency so are they better? (laughs) Dunno and and obviously injuries did play a major part because like early on the offensive line was not great but it wasn't as bad it was just towards the end of the season like around after their bye week that they just seemed the, the offense just seemed to lose all of its composure, lose all of its thing. Like remember, Adam Thielen was on that ridiculous run of a hundred yard gains, mm. but towards the end of the year, he picked up an injury, and the whole offense just seemed to, you know, basically go down in a dumpster fire by the end of the year. So I'm kind of looking at this team, and it's a very well. I wouldn't say Kirk Cousins team because you underrated it. When you think he's so bad, but it's a very above average team right now. And yeah, if you're looking I'll, at the I'll agree. Team, their
0: roster, their roster on paper, it looks quite nice.
1: Yeah. But you're just kind of like, is there enough here? And is the coaching, like, uh, has they've shown enough that when the chips are down, when they need to win games, are they capable of doing it? And right now, the perspective is, besides perhaps that lucky win against the Saints uh, two years ago, um, that generally not. They just feel like a team that's always lacking that additional level of talent, including their quarterback, of course, where you're just like, are they ever going to make that leap and be a genuine contender, and in my opinion, probably not. I think they're too good not to be contending and not make life troublesome for whoever they face up on a week to week basis. But are they good enough to be a contender in the playoffs? Probably not. And there's a good chance that they might miss out as being like one of the better, like, uh, you know, like kind of the A7th, 8th best team in the NFC. So I have going 10 and 6. I see another solid season, but for, for Zimmer, uh, that might be good enough to keep the the wolves away and for cousins certainly another year that playoffs with the contract he has is gonna get people riled up because as you say that defence isn't getting any cheaper as time goes on.
0: Yeah. I have them going a little bit worse, I've them going seven and nine because I think while I agree that they've got a nice looking roster up paper you kind of touched on it a bit towards the back end there that like I think once you scratch the surface there's a problem of if they have one of their wide receivers go down they don't have much depth in behind that if they have injuries to their offensive line we saw what the quality of the depth that sits behind that is like they are a very good list of starters without necessarily the depth to be able to survive some of the injuries that are inevitably going to happen when you play in frozen tundra and you try and play physical football quite a lot so I'd be worried about something like that happening. And well, they don't time. even do that
1: anymore because of their fancy new stadium. But, oh uh,
0: shit! Yeah, they don't. Yeah, but
1: they do play the Packers and Bears, so they do get plenty of thunder still.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, true. That's true. Um, was that just a was was the entirely plan behind the new stadium? Just because they cracked the horn that time uh, when they were playing the Seahawks?
1: <laughs> Perhaps, but uh, maybe it's made them soft. You know, Kirk Cousins is a big softy. Like, yeah, he, like the Vikings were just weird last year because they did look okay in the first half, but they so bad in the second half and you're just wondering and it kind of mirrors like the way the Vikings are as a franchise they've just historically always been a bit of a, a bottler team and yeah. that just seems like where they're going to go this year as well um, even if they get the kind of upper, edge, like the upper end 10 wins that I'm thinking about
0: yeah ah well shall look. we'll see how they go they could surprise us Kirk Cousins could come out and finally like prove that kind because of, I think this is the thing I think if Kirk Cousins came out and had a very strong performance this year I think the Vikings would extend him I think they would try and lock him in
1: Oh, that would be... Uh, okay, if he had a good year, sure. But... Uh, the thing mm, is, I'm not oh. sure I'm not sure if he'd take
0: it. because <laughs> He's he, also
1: a, he's a bit of a lightning rod quarterback as well, which is why I'd be questioning that, to be honest. Unless he has a really good year.
0: Oh, yeah, I but think. this is the thing, though. Because like, I, I, I I would say that the entire time, yet yeah, still they gave him 90 million guaranteed. <laughs> like, you know? it's yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Because it, it also means that even if they do look at Coach swaps, uh if the season doesn't go particularly well, the new coach is locked in with him as the starter, as a very highly paid starter. With like, what do you do then? Do you do you draft someone to just develop for a year behind him, and, and like know this that is, it's a dead year for him, or? This
1: is the question of. Uh Giving people fully quarantine
0: contracts it's an interesting can of worms they've given themselves so. yeah it really is um, but yeah so that'll wrap up there we've actually gone way over time so we won't get to listener questions we're very bad at getting the listener questions during the previews we've just got too much shit to talk to we do integrate some of the questions into the into the analysis though because people do tend to send in like it's probably I think most of the questions this week are like Packers fans and people like that there I think a couple of giant it's seamless seamless yeah, yeah. See, uh, so that, thats where your question was. If we didn't get to it, it's because it was shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, so we'll wrap up there, I suppose. Any plans for the next f- couple of days? You're are you up to Dublin this weekend, or is it?
1: Yeah. So Harry's thirty. It is this weekend, and then I'm off to Denver the weekend after that oh, for a week. Right. Go to the joint statistical meetings of the American Statistical Association. Excellent. Oh, not a lot of statistics in there, but that's uh, the biggest uh, statistical conference in the world, basically. Um, so, I'll be doing, I think we're having a soiree, a meet and greet at that, and presenting a poster at that, and then spending some time sitting at a stand answering questions and pretending to care about networking. Uh, it's probably <laughs> my forte, I have to be honest. Uh, but uh, it should be fun. I uh, get to enjoy it. in Denver this year, so I have to do my exercises, you know, check it out, have sickle cell, anemia, or anything like that. Oh,
0: of course, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh no! I to be benched, or can't even travel, you know. But uh, what you should do is when you're up there, you should uh, you lag. should you should
0: set your own personal best for uh, for kicking and punting.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I'll throw the I should throw the ball around a bit. I look really great at this point, but uh, yeah, like it's uh, combining jet lag with altitude sickness. Well, probably not that bad, but like altitude issues is probably an interesting mix. So I'll see if I can survive that week. And then I say Harry's uh, NFL laws, the the the. Uh, Fantasy League of record will have this draft the weekend. basically the Saturday after I get back on the Thursday from that. So <laughs> I'll see what kind of absolutely loopy decisions I make during that when I head up to Dublin that weekend.
0: Yeah, that'll be very exciting. I'm going to be Skyped in from there. So uh, that is our messy League where uh, we tend to draft. This is the latest we've ever drafted. it. We normally draft in, like, late June or late July uh, just to really fuck with you so, like, people will still be traded, cut, injured. It just... And it's a 16-man league as well. It's a it's a, it's a messy one, but it makes for, for good fun now. Um, but yeah, so I suppose we'll wrap up there. Uh, next week, we will be going into our final uh, our final preview of the division. So we'll be looking at the NFC South and the NFC West. So if you want to get your questions in on those, we'll integrate as many of them as possible uh, because we probably won't be able to get right to them. But we might just do a mailbag episode later on then and catch up on loads of these questions. But um, I suppose yeah, that'll do for now. So it's uh, bye for myself, bye from Roman. Bye. Uh, this has been all for quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.